as you guys are wandering off, it's fine. You can go. But for us as a community, there's also, you know, when any time that someone comes up and dedicates their, their child, there's also a commitment on our part that, that we walk with them as a family, that we're there to help and encourage and guide, and that it's never just a parent's responsibility, but when we're part of a community, it's all of us working together. So we're all as much a part of this today as, as they are as a family. It is great to see everyone here this morning, and uh, happy Easter Resurrection Sunday to you. It's just, uh, it's wonderful when we can celebrate together as a family and, and be here celebrating today. Um, one quick announcement, and just making it one, and just a reminder that we have the bring and share lunch next weekend. Now, some of you may go, what is a bring and share lunch? Whether you call it a bring and share or a potluck, this is something we have, as, have always have done pre-COVID as a community, is that once a month we would have a meal together, and uh, I need to give, let the kids know they can go. <laughs> so I'm watching a few go, and I thought they went already. There we go. Okay. Let the kids go to, uh, to kids' ministry. For those of you that weren't here at the beginning, the kids' performance that was supposed to happen today, unfortunately, has had to be postponed because as much as we want to think COVID is behind us, our kids' ministry leaders got taken out by COVID and they can't be here today. So we're going to postpone it for a couple of weeks and do the presentation then uh, when the leaders are able to be here to guide that presentation. So... Uh, as I was saying, bring and share meal. So what that means is next weekend after the service at 1230, we're going to regroup at the Lifehouse Center for, and bring food. And the idea is that you bring, you know, food that you can share with other people. We have a big potluck meal together. And it's just a way for us to be able to celebrate as a community. It's actually, sometimes people are like, well, why, you know, why aren't you doing communion? Because that's actually communion. Let me tell you, it was never Jesus' intention to have a little wafer and a little sip of wine and that be communion. That's a tradition that we have, we've basically distilled a supper, a meal, down into a ritual. And, you know, it's convenient and easy to practice, not in this setting, but it's, you know, the reality of what we see in Scripture was people having a meal together. It's why every time you eat together as a family, you're ultimately having communion. You know, by, by praying together, by remembering the grace of God over what Jesus has done for you, you can have communion at every meal. And when we get together like this, it's our way as a community of having communion together. So I want to encourage you next Sunday that, you know, you have time after the service, go home and grab food or bring it with you. We go back to the Lifehouse Center and we share a meal together. And it's just a great way to get to know one another and connect with one another. So we, last time was last month, we did it for the first time since we've been able to for the last couple of years. And it was great to be able to do it again. And so we'll be doing that once a month, uh, the, basically the last Sunday of the month or the fourth Sunday of the month, which is next week. Hope that all of you can be there. And if you're new here today, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. I uh, hope you've connected with my wonderful wife or Shamla Greg, who normally would uh, be here to connect with you as well. He's also, his family is uh, down with COVID today. So uh, the, he's not here, but you'll get to meet him in coming weeks and you'll hear from him as well. So today on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we 
are remembering the absolute incredible resurrection power of Jesus. The importance of what happened at the cross, but not just at the cross, that it didn't end at the cross, that three days later, Jesus rose from the tomb. And this is so important for us. It's absolutely essential. And the, the story, you know, I, this morning, I'm very tempted, and I'm not going to, to give a very technical preach. What I believe I'm going to do is over the next, in the next couple of months, be putting together some videos that you can watch if you want to, just to understanding what happened at the cross and what happened at the resurrection of Christ. Because when we look at the full story of Jesus, I've said it a few times, that, you know, if, if God was using efficiency the way we use efficiency, Jesus would have been born and died the next day, you know, because, hey, that would have been much more efficient. Why be here for 30 years on the earth? If the goal of Jesus is simply to die for our sin, to die for sin, then, you know, he should just be born and died. If he was just simply the lamb. But it was much more complicated than that. There was much more bigger plan than that that God had. And so Jesus lived his life. He ministered to us. He, he taught us how to live, what the kingdom of God really was. And then by his own free will gave up his life for us. It's so essential that we understand it this way. Because so often the way that what Jesus did at the cross is preached is that, well, you know, we, had, we all have sin, we've done things wrong, and Jesus paid the price because God was angry at sin, and so someone had to die, and so he sent his son as, uh, to die on our behalf. And if you've ever heard a street preacher, or it's actually fairly commonly taught around the world, this perception. But it's not the perception that the early church had. It's not the perception that the Bible actually teaches us, but it's a perception that we have of what Jesus did at the cross based on the last two to three hundred years of church tradition. This, this wasn't about God being angry and needing someone to die, you know, to take his punishment out on them. If we actually look at Scripture, and we're going to look at a couple of Scriptures today, we understand that what Jesus did, he did die so that sin would once and for all, the power of sin would be conquered. But it wasn't about an angry God who needed to take out his wrath on something. It was on a loving God who did what, who sacrificed himself on our behalf so that we would be set free. And this understanding is so essential for us because Jesus at the cross conquered sin and death. What does that mean? It means that you today, by professing your faith in Jesus, by believing in what he's done for you, you have been set free from the consequences of sin and death. This isn't a thing of, well, Jesus isn't needing to die, re-die for your sins. Oh, I sinned today. Oh, now I need, I need a sacrifice for that sin. It's that the very nature that we have, the power that sin used to hold us in chains over, when we give our life to Jesus, that power is gone. Doesn't mean we become perfect. Doesn't mean that we start immediately behaving exactly like Jesus. But it means that that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
comes and dwells in us. And, and we start on this journey of learning to live eternal life now, right here on the earth. We're not waiting. Heaven is not the end goal. The goal is us manifesting the life of Christ, the kingdom of God, here on earth right now. And you know, every time you choose to live like Jesus did, you're manifesting the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven manifesting doesn't have to be signs, wonders, and miracles as much as that is a part of it. It's love. It's kindness. You know, it's, it's self-sacrifice. You know, it's giving of ourselves to another. That's the kingdom of God as much as healing or miracles. It's just learning not to live for ourselves, but out of un our understanding of God's love for us, that we and that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that we would manifest that same love for others. We can love because he first loved us. I want to read a scripture here, 1 Corinthians 1, 23. It's really small. It just simply says that Paul, Paul speaking, and he says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And it's interesting, right? We read that one little line, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Why? Because the death that Jesus died and the humility of that death for him to die on the cross, it was the most shameful way for someone to die. And it was really essential for the Jews, that they, that they, at his time, that he be put on a cross. Because we see in Scripture that it says that anyone hung on a tree, is, you know, dies by hanging on a tree, is cursed. And for the Jewish leaders at the time, for the, for the chief priests, it was, they needed to discredit Jesus. Here he was, he was doing all these miracles, he was, he was healing the sick, he was basically standing against their corruption, their condemnation, their self-righteousness. The religious system of the day, the way that God was being worshipped, Jesus said, you're doing it all wrong. He went to the Jewish people. He was Jewish. He went to the chief priests. And it's like, you are doing this wrong. Everything from cleansing the temple to confronting them about their hypocrisy, he was going at the very systems they put in place that ensured their honor and allowed them to live in a place of self-righteousness and condemn those around them. And so they hated him for that. They needed this person that was being declared the Messiah to be discredited, to be hung on a cross because once he's hung on a cross, then it's like, well, this can't be the Messiah because that can't happen to the Messiah. It's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. Because the very fact that the Messiah was hung on a cross to those to Jewish people, it meant, well, this can't this this can't be the Messiah. Because our understanding of things is that this this could never happen to to, uh, you know, the Messiah dying by being hung on a cross, that's the most shameful way to die. And our scriptures say that he, you know, anyone hung on a cross is cursed. So how can that possibly be? 
that that's our Messiah. And for the Gentiles, I mean, again, this is the most shameful way for someone to die. So, so if, I, if I am, you know, <laughs> you're telling me, if I'm a Gentile at that time, if I'm someone that is, is Greek or Roman or one of the other pagan religions around them, that you're worshiping someone that died on a cross, the most brutal, shameful way that the Romans have to kill someone, and you're saying that that's a god? That's ridiculous. And yet, it wasn't his death that we worship. It's his rising again. It's his rising again. If Jesus just died and never rose again, then there's nothing for us to celebrate. There's no power in him simply dying. There's no power in that. It's in him rising again. It's in him rising again. That power, that declaration, that he, that very act of God raising Jesus from the dead and seating him in heavenly places that, that showed that he truly was the son of God, that he truly was divine, that he was a God. He was the God. He was the God. Now, his death for us is important. His death is important. I gave, I gave a message on this actually at Christmas. And I'm just going to retouch on a couple of the real important points of that. Is that... Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that we see throughout the Old Testament. The first time we see that lamb is actually with Abraham and Isaac. You know, in, in Jewish culture, we, we don't doesn't elaborate this in Scripture, but in Jewish culture, one of the things that is you know, acknowledged is that Isaac went willingly. He had to have, right? He went willingly. Isaac was willing to be sacrificed. He went with his dad for his dad to bind him up and put him on there. It doesn't say there was a struggle. It didn't say he knocked him unconscious. So if Isaac was there and able to ask questions of his dad, he was willingly there to be a sacrifice. And yet God stepped in. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, he's not the sacrifice. I'm going to provide one. That's the first time we see an image of a sacrifice. Second, you know, we see is, is the image at, at Passover. And where at Passover, you've got a lamb that is sacrificed, and, and the blood of that lamb is put over the doorpost, you know, of every Jewish home. And when the angel of death passes through Egypt and, and the firstborn dies from every Egyptian household, Anyone that's painted over their door, the firstborn in that household is spared. It's again through the blood of the lamb that was slain. There's mercy. We also see in, in Israel in culture where every year there would be a lamb that is the, the sins of Israel are transferred to that lamb. And that lamb is sent off into the wilderness, sent away. This was part of their yearly ritual 
to that all the sins of the nation would be put on this lamb and it would be sent out. The most interesting one for us that we may not notice is Barabbas. You know, in the story of Barabbas, we miss the importance of that. I mean, here it is that if you, if you know that story from scripture with Barabbas, there is the, the Roman emperor does not want to kill Jesus. He doesn't want responsibility for this. And so he, he says instead, well, listen, you can, you can show mercy. I, I'll give you the opportunity to release one prisoner. We'll condemn this person, but we'll give you the opportunity to release one prisoner. Do you want me to release Jesus to you? And the crowd's like, no, we don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. Well, Jesus died right there in the place. Barabbas was a murderer. murderer. Barabbas was all these awful things. And yet the people chose to have him released and Jesus died. But right there is a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus was doing. There was nothing that looked redeemable about Barabbas. And yet Jesus died instead of Barabbas. The sacrifice that Jesus made, he made for the whole world. Doesn't mean the whole world saved because we've got to choose to put our faith in believing, but he did it for the whole world. You know, every person that we encounter in this world, I mean, right now, what's some of the things you can think of? The one in the most prominent in the news, Russia and Ukraine. Guess what? God is not on the side of either one of them. He's on the side of both of them and on the side of neither of them. I've seen some great images of drawn where Jesus is washing the feet of both the Ukrainians and the Russians. And we, in our black and white thinking and our need to go, well, this is good and this is evil, want to be able to say, well, God must be on the side that we think is just. And we want to be able to do that with people. In our lives, well, this person hurt me. This boss is a bad boss. This, you know, situation, someone took advantage of me. I am struggling with forgiveness here. I, you know, ah, I got to be able to hold on to this thing over here. And every time we do that, we manifest the wrong kingdom. The thing for us on this Easter Sunday is that Jesus died for all. He died for all. And none of us deserved it. And those undeserving people that maybe come to mind, if I ask you to think about undeserving people, he died for them too. And the only way this world gets transformed and we start seeing the real kingdom of God manifesting in this world is by our willingness to truly surrender to God and his ways. Our willingness, not just to go that heaven on earth is the miraculous. As I say, that is a part of it. But that the miracle of a heart that can forgive. The miracle of, of us not judging one another. The miracle of us, of us learning to love. You know, with a self-sacrificial love. This is what resurrection is all about. It's what the kingdom of God here on earth is all about. Jesus demonstrated that kingdom all the time. What did he stand against? He stood against self-righteousness. He stood against people believing that they had it right and that they had the right to condemn 
others. He showed mercy to the people that, that the society around them said were undeserving of mercy. He touched those that were the untouchables. He was accused of hanging around uh, with sinners. And he did. Because he's like, I'm not here for the righteous. If you think you're righteous, then you're not going to be able to receive me. I'm here for, for all those that need me. And so, as we reflect on the power of the cross, may we reflect, like, may we know that what it means is you're good enough. You are good enough. You are loved by God, despite anything that's going wrong in your life right now, despite any sin that may still have you chained up. You, God declared you righteous because of Jesus. What he did conquered sin for you, all of it. You may still be living in parts of it, but he conquered all of it at the cross. He didn't conquer some of it. He conquered all of it. The power of sin is broken. The consequence of sin is broken over your life if you've given your life to Jesus, which means it doesn't matter what you do wrong from here on in, you still Sin is still broken over your life. Now, that doesn't mean that God's like, so now just live whichever way you want to. He says, you know, now live the way you were designed to live. Now live for me. I've loved you. Take that love I've given you and love others with that love. Love others with that love. Which means... For, the, for this world to change, I've given the stat before, there's probably 3% of the population in Canada at this moment in time that are born-again Christians. I was saying in Waterloo last week when I was there, the goal of Christianity is not for us to form a Christian bubble and hide from the world. You know, it is not. The goal of Christianity is for us to be salt and light in the world, to be willing to pick up our cross daily to go out into the world, to be misunderstood, to be misunderstood, to be maybe even hated by people around us, not because we're preaching hate to them, but to be hated because the same way Jesus was because he loved. He brought a different kingdom everywhere he went, everywhere he go, that we would go out into this broken world. We're not looking for our protection. We're not trying to hide until Jesus comes again. We are meant to bring the gospel everywhere we go through our lives. The best thing we preach the gospel with is by we, how we treat each other and other people. That will speak louder than any words. And what we do will nullify or back up any words that we speak. If we don't remember that we are good enough, that what Jesus Christ did at the cross is enough for each and every one of us, then we'll never be able to love the way Jesus loved. Because if we can't receive that love ourselves, how do we ever reflect that love to the world? So this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, remember that you are loved. That it's not a love that is just an emotion that God has made a covenant with you through the blood of Jesus 
a covenant that broke the power of sin over your life that says you are acceptable and you are righteous before him. Not because of anything you've done, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of his death and the, way, and the power of his resurrection. And that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. You are loved. You are accepted. You are part of his kingdom. And he will always be with you on your best day and on your worst day. And man, the security of that statement is incredible for each and every one of us. When we understand this, it'll change how we parent. It'll change how we live. It'll change how we are with everyone around us. And as we're changed, the power of the church will come back. And maybe we'll see this country that God's brought many of you to here from around the world transformed by the love of God because it's the love of God that leads people to repentance. Nowhere in Scripture will you see that it's the preaching of condemnation that brings people to repentance. Never. Never. We sometimes will try to pull out a little proof text, and if, if anyone, if I'm talking today, you're like, I don't understand this, I don't agree with it, I think it's different, please, I am so happy to chat to you. Send me an email. If you're watching online or here, my email is james at lifehouse.ca. It's a simple email. Really easy to remember. Then again, james at lifehouse.ca. I'm happy to step you through this because the most important part of my job that God's given me is for you to understand you're free and for you to use that freedom to bring and manifest the kingdom of God in this world. Because if we'll just affect even one other person, man, that's one more person that's able to manifest the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Well, Lord, I just thank you for everything you're doing in each and every one of our lives. Jesus, I thank you that you once and for all conquered sin and death at the cross and we have eternal life now, that we're not waiting for heaven, but that eternal life dwells in each and every one of us right here, right now. I thank you that it's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on our behavior. It's not dependent on how good we are. It's dependent solely 100% Jesus on you. And I thank you that you put that power in each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit, that the resurrection power, the same power that raised you from the dead, Jesus, is in each and every one of us. And that power will help us overcome any, anything in our lives that's holding us back from you. Amen. Thank you and have an absolutely wonderful time with each other, with friends and family this week.